Welcome to the podcast series, Aastha Unplugged. The purpose of this podcast is to help you express your highest potential as a leader. Whatever it is that holds you back in your leadership journey, let's dive straight into it. So we'll bring in guests here who are leaders in their respective domains, and they are going to share perspectives from their life journeys. And these perspectives are going to help you get access and insights into your life journey. Yeah. So sit back and enjoy this week's episode on Aastha Unplugged. Leader whose strength as well as passion lies in building high-performing and engaged teams. And that really excites me because we're going to delve into that. But let me tell you, this man has two decades of experience in leading strategic initiatives, large programs, as well as pilot campaigns for major brands and across multiple geographies. So join me in welcoming Kevin Munshi, who's the Director in Technology for PwC Acceleration Centers, Kolkata. Hi, Kevin. Such a pleasure to have you here. Hi, Asta. It's absolutely a pleasure to be here. It's really uh, wonderful to have this discussion with you and I'm so happy with this opportunity. Lovely. Super. So, uh, Kevin, I'm, I'm really excited about this, this one line where your passion lies in building uh, engaged and uh, high-performing teams. And I'm sure two decades is a considerable time. So what I want to start by asking you, I mean, essentially want to delve into managing conflicts at workplace because conflicts are inevitable. However, they hold the capacity to paralyze the whole system if not taken care of and kind of suck the whole energy from the setup, you know. So my, the first thing that comes to my mind is what is this one key ingredient that you would say which fuels up these conflicts. Nobody wants it. People sulk. They feel like a victim. And yet, you know, it just keeps building up. What is that one thing which leads to the multiplication of this whole thing, the intensity and all? To answer your question uh, about what's the most important thing about uh, a conflict situation, I think the biggest thing that we that I've observed uh, over the years is not listening. Uh, there's definitely a situation where somebody's talking mm -hmm. and somebody appears to be listening, but they're really not. Uh, the person is, you know, just getting ready to give their two cents. They want to mm -hmm. give their point across. They are planning already in their head. Okay, this is my point. I really need to make sure it lands. And they're really not listening to what the other person is saying. I think not listening is probably the cardinal sin of a conflict. And I think I learned this very early on in life. Uh, as you said, 20 years is a fairly long time. Yeah. Uh, and I started my career at a call center. And, uh, you know, just a regular headset jockey, putting on the headsets, you get about 40 to 50 calls a day. And I think most of my learning that happened about conflict management happened in those formative years itself. Because when a person calls you into a call center, they're really not calling to compliment you. They're not talking they're not calling to talk about the weather. They definitely have a problem. They're already engaged in some sort of a dilemma. Uh, they probably have already had a bad experience by talking to someone else. And so when they land on your phone, they're already in a conflict mode. Mm -hmm. They are unhappy. And, you know, it becomes my job back in the day to really hear the person out and make sure that I address their concerns. 
uh, what I learned very early on uh, during those formative years was you really need to let somebody speak and you really, really need to let the person vent out the feelings. Uh, it's a very uncomfortable position to be in because at that time you may feel like you're being pushed into a corner. You may feel like you're being trapped somehow. But in my experience, it's probably the best opportunity to understand the root of the conflict. Uh, because when a person vents out, you are definitely getting a lot of information. You're getting data, you're getting facts, you're also getting emotions. Yeah. Uh, the, the key is that when you get all this information, how do you process it in your head? How do you make sure that you separate the information from the emotion? And once you get a very decent understanding of what's driving the conflict from the other person's perspective, I think you have a good place to start to try and negotiate and resolve your conflict. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, so um, absolutely resonates, uh, uh, Kevin, because I think uh, everywhere, even in the personal spaces, a lot of struggle in relationships is because, uh, you know, we don't want to listen. Rather, we've never been taught to listen. You know, a lot of people come with this whole thing of, I need to speak, I need to put across my stuff, uh, but not been taught. So uh, when, when you talk about this, take me through maybe some of the instances where you learned it the hard way or a certain things where, you know, you could distinctly see this um, uh, difference that listening created, if, if there's something that you can talk about, how yeah. have you evolved through that journey? So I've put in too many things there, I know, but uh, yeah, something within this. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, uh, as I said, when I started my career, it was uh, at a call center and at the call center, you automatically learn to listen. Sure. Uh, that's, that's the most important skill in a way, uh, because resolving the problem, technical, billing, whatever the issue may be, you have your knowledge guides and so on, and that takes care of that. Uh, but the people angle is something that you need to own and you need to take care of. Mm. Uh, there have been instances, of course, where you know you get it wrong. I think one instance that comes to mind uh, was was a particular situation where uh, you know we were making a presentation to a client, and uh, and I think what we did was we prepared so much about the client, uh, keeping one or two people in mind. We sort of forgot about the rest of the audience. And when we went into the meeting, we were so focused on just that one or two individuals that, okay, this is what this person wants. This is what this person wants to hear. We didn't really pay attention to the rest of the entourage. And turns out in that entourage was someone who was very uh, senior and uh, who had a big say in the matter. And uh, when that person started speaking, we had no idea how to handle it. And, and we just were not prepared. So, you know, a big part of conflict resolution, I feel, is also being prepared. Uh, you know, when you get into your conversations, it's imperative. I think even for a regular conversation, you need to have a fair bit of preparation done. Um, and the preparation is not in terms of, okay, I'm going to land these points and this is how I want to, you know, make sure that, that I win this conflict or win the situation. But it's about making sure that you understand your audience and you really understand the personality that's involved. Uh, and you try to then, you know, navigate the situation because it's almost always a very fluidic situation it's never defined there's no you know absolute uh, rules that okay rule one will happen and rule two will happen it doesn't work that way uh everyone's personality is so complicated and there's so much of uh, information that you get when you discuss with people so you know in that particular situation i think the learning that i took out of it was that you really have to firstly be very prepared for the audience that you're working or you know working with 
Uh, also in terms of uh, from a conflict perspective, uh, during that particular discussion, since we were not prepared, we immediately got into a shell. So we started to look at each other and we were like, okay, what's happening here? Who's supposed to speak? Who's not supposed to speak? What data do we present over here? So again, it comes back to preparation and, and dealing with that particular personality. Uh, I think I took my lessons from that and became a lot better in handling the sort of situations. Uh, you know, I always ensured that you know I knew who the audience was that I was speaking with, um, and also try to understand the personality of the person. If we do that, I think that's at least a good place to start. Uh, and then, of course, once you you know get into the discussions, uh, active listening, uh, which I know is used very often as a phrase, but uh, then it is a very important part of the entire conflict journey. Uh, it is very important to assimilate all the information that you get and try and do it in a very non-emotional way, which is very tough for us as human beings because we are wired for emotions. Uh, something that I learned along the way also was about trying to understand yourself as a person. There are certain words, there are certain situations that are automatic trigger. You may hear certain things or you might see certain things. Like, for example, my favorite one is uh, in emails you get, as you probably know or as you know already. Right. It it's you know, the moment you see that you sort of feel that somebody on the other side is being a little bit passive aggressive about you and they're trying to put you into a situation based on some discussion that happened in the past. Uh, and I think for a long time and for many people that I've seen, it's sort of a trigger. They immediately get on the defensive. They're like, OK, what's happening here? Why is this person trying to get hold of me? Is, is there some hidden agenda here? And uh, I think at that point, you know, you have to learn who you are as a person and also be able to um, really know what are your triggers. And once you identify them, keep them in check and learn how to keep your emotions intact without letting it spill all over the place. Hmm. Interesting. So when, when you have, let's say, a manager or, or, or a boss and um, in a, a boss-subordinate relationship, when, when maybe your boss is not listening to you, um, what do you think, what would you suggest or how have you dealt with such scenarios, if any, where um, this was not happening and you didn't know how to cut through this whole conflict or the gap? Yeah. So I think in a situation when you are in a, in a discussion or in a conversation with someone who is superior to you, you have to keep a few things in mind. Firstly, you got to understand that the person who is superior to you has definitely a hold on you in terms of you know, he's your boss mm. or he or she is your boss. You need to be very careful about, you know, calling someone's idea bad. You, you definitely don't want to do any of that. Uh, what I find works more often with me and, uh, you know, and I've used it often in the past is to try and appeal to a greater goal, a greater shared goal. Uh, that both your boss and yourself are aspiring to. Mm. Uh, in a corporate situation, it could be a strategic initiative. It could be a tactical goal that you're both trying to achieve. And if you try and make that the center stone of your discussion, saying that, hey, we both know that we want to achieve this. I, I understand what you're saying. I think there's something else that I could do to make this better. Yeah. Or I could do something else that you know can minimize your risk. If you can find that shared objective, especially in this sort of a situation, it really makes life a lot easier. Because then at that point, uh, you know, you're no longer combative or you're not talking against each other, but you're aspiring for something better. And I think that's probably the safest route to take. And of course, then bring your points forward in a very, 
in a very uh, deferential way. Make sure you have your data in place. What I find is most bosses are achieving a goal. They are looking to achieve something. Yeah. Uh, and that's the reason they bring forth their ideas. And uh, you know, if you hear them out, you give them some information, the data that speaks uh, you know, towards your point, I think they more or less do agree to your perspective as well. Hmm. Would you agree, Kevin, that, you know, within uh, this kind of a setup, a lot of times people uh, get into that zone of, uh, you know, an expectation that where somewhere I think he's my boss and he's supposed to treat me in a certain way. And then I kind of shrug my shoulders and say, what do I do? You know, and, and I stop making, uh, you know, any efforts to even look at what I may not be, I may be missing out on or what more can I bring to the table? Like you mentioned, uh, can I be well-prepared and can I focus on that larger purpose, the shared goal? And um, even if I'm not receiving the most desirable vibe from my manager, what more can I do to kind of make it conducive and all? So people just stop doing that in the expectation, oh, he's the boss and if he cannot do it, what do I do? He's the authority figure, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You know, I think it's possible that you get into that mindset that, hey, my boss is right always, or at least I have to allow my boss to get his or her way. Mm-hmm. Uh, my only perspective to that is, you know, what the organization is paying you for your skills and your ideas, right? You're, you're never hired just to be part of the system. Mm-hmm. You're not a brick in the wall. You are being paid to bring in your skill set, bring in your expertise, and you know, that's again the higher goal because if the organization wants you to be part of their team, you have something to offer. And I think it then just comes down to the individual to make sure that they bring forth their views in the right way. Uh, As I said, with with any any, uh, authority figure, there's a little bit of tactics involved. You definitely can't, you know, just swing the door open and barge in and say, hey boss, I'm right, you're wrong. Um, neither could you always be totally deferential. I think it's very important to build that relationship over time mm-hmm. where, you know, the the authority figure sees you for who you are, the skills that you bring. And, you know, it's always about small wins. Uh, whenever I join a new organization or whenever I'm part of a team, a new team, I firstly always try to understand the dynamics of the team. I also try to understand the kind of relationship the authority figure has with his or her team. Uh, there are some uh, bosses who are extremely people friendly, uh, who, you know, will spend good amount of time having a lunch with the team. They may hang out with the team. Uh, there are some authority figures who keep a bit of distance. Uh, they they prefer to keep a bit of distance with the team. They are approachable. They definitely, uh, you know, are there if required, but then they keep a bit of distance. Uh, I think it's important to understand the dynamics of the workplace where you are. And then see which is the best way to navigate it. There's definitely no one size fits all because not all bosses are the same. And you've got to understand that every boss has their own personality. Yeah. And how you navigate is really up to you. Hmm. So where do you draw a line within this that where you feel that, uh, okay, I think I'm being too rigid and too focused on the, or taking it too personally um, versus maybe here really my non-negotiables or my core values are being compromised with. Would you draw a line there? Or, I mean, that's part of the corporate world. That's how it's supposed to yeah. be. Or or you must. Um, part of the corporate world, yes. I think there is a point beyond which you don't push further. 
I think it's definitely important that you make your point uh, felt, set across, share the data, share the information. Yeah. That's imperative on you. Mm. Have the discussions. Maybe if you feel you could do it again, do it again. But if there is an absolute resistance, I would probably stop at that point. Uh, not because the idea is wrong that I bring, but there's also a possibility there's information that I'm not fully aware of. Okay. Because at the end, you know, as a corporate, there's a pyramid structure, right? Yeah. So the information is not always transparent at every single mm -hmm. level. So it is very possible that your authority figure has a bit more information that he or she cannot share with you. And beyond a certain point, you know, you can only ensure that you're heard, uh, but then you've got to fall in line uh, in terms of the overall picture. Got it. Okay, so I think this this you spoke in in, uh, in the context of you presenting an idea and whether it is accepted or not accepted. And a lot of times we take personally, my boss never accepts my ideas and stuff like that. Uh, however, if I if I take it to let's say a, a conflict kind of a scenario where I see a lot of leaders saying that you know uh, my my boss or my manager is biased and there's this whole term uh, politics which keeps doing rounds and then they. Um, you know, it's kind of toxic and all of those things now, which is where, uh, how do I really draw a line and, and make my choices accordingly that this is something where I need to look at myself. Maybe there's something that I'm missing out on and maybe taking it personally. That's not what he means. My beliefs are kind of coming into play or I think I've given it my all you know, pretty much. And this is what it is. And maybe time for me to move on. Yeah. This is compromising with who I am, doesn't honor me. Yeah. Um, you have those environments, right? As much as you like to feel that everything works perfectly in the corporate world, you do have those situations where sure. you are part of a toxic workspace. Uh, the thing, the key that I look at that is, you know, toxicity is a, is a perspective of yourself in the sense that you... Things may be happening, but uh, what makes it toxic is going to be a perspective that you carry. And there's, with perspective, there's an emotion to it. Uh, you know, it reminds me, your question reminds me of something that I heard, I think, maybe it was Simon Sinek, I could be wrong, mm -hmm. uh, where they had this uh, way of handling this sort of a situation, where, which they acronymed as FBI, uh, which is feelings, behavior, and impact. Mm. Uh, you know that's something that I've tried in the past as well and it, it comes out pretty well actually mm. uh, so the way it works is very simple so if you are in a situation where you're really feeling that okay you're in a position where you are either being moved aside or sidestepped or there's some sort of politics against you uh, I think it's important to have that conversation with your boss and use the FBI principle so F standing for feelings so you start off by saying, okay, I feel this. Mm -hmm. And you can't say, I feel happy, I feel sad. It's not generic. It, could, it has to be a very, very specific feeling. Sure. Uh, then you talk about the behavior. Mm -hmm. So the behavior could be that, hey, you know what? I was in charge of this project the whole while. I was almost done with it. And then you handed it over to someone else. And that person got the credit. So mm -hmm. that was a behavior. Sure. And you talk about the impact. Yeah. And it's very important that you have all three. You cannot just have feeling and behavior and forget about the impact. The impact is very important because you need to then say that doing this has made me feel redundant or it makes me feel disillusioned with my workplace or it makes me feel that I don't want to stay anymore, right? So feelings, behavior, and impact, if we follow that, and 
I've seen people use it in different combinations. It doesn't have to necessarily be you start with feeling, then behavior, then impact. But all three have to be there. Mm. And I think that sit-down conversation with your boss, if you have all these three elements, is always a good place to start. And it, this doesn't always necessarily have to be with a boss. It can very well be with a peer. It can also yeah. be with a subordinate. Mm. So I use it quite often, I should say, with uh, my subordinates. Let's say if someone who reports to me is habitually late for a meeting. Mm. Um, you know, you can probably talk to the person once or twice, but then you need to understand what's actually happening. And that's when you bring in... Uh, this particular perspective that, you know, I feel disconnected from you when you don't come on time for the meeting. And the impact of this is I start losing trust on you, mm. right? Once you bring that in, I've always found that it, it strikes a note with the other person. Because by and large, it's my belief that people want to do well and want to be part of a collaborative structure. Nobody's out here to be Superman, Batman or anything. Mm. And then especially in a corporate structure, the more you know, integrated and matrix we have become, we all have dependencies. Mm-hmm. Every single thing that we do is dependent on someone else, be it an authority figure, be it a peer, be it another team. Your success depends on how well you collaborate. Absolutely. And, you know, FBI is an acronym that I'm definitely stealing from Simon, I think. Uh, but then I, I found, found that very useful in the past. It's something that I do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's definitely gotten me a lot of results. Lovely. Any any instance where um, you know uh, you would um, so where you communicated you had this conversation and uh, you realized over a period of time it it's not about one second where you just feel something but over time you realize that despite doing certain things this is maybe not working out and then you adopted something else or you know how did you kind of navigate through that situation. Yep. Anything that you can recall. Yeah, the so- reason why I'm again uh, coming back to how you dealt with certain things is because I feel uh, a lot of times these are things which people are dealing with, a lot of leaders out yeah. there. And and one thing that comes in is, no, 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 this is not possible. Oh, no, no, this cannot be done. And while there is so much information out there, but I feel that's the what's, what's really implemented, which is what you would have done, is the real talk. Otherwise, it's all gyan. I don't know how to implement that. So... Yeah. That's why. I think I've been in this situation a couple of times in my career uh, where, you know, I've been as transparent as I can about what I felt, the behaviors, the impact that was there. Yeah. And I I still didn't feel I was getting the right results. I I still felt that, you know, I was still not getting the satisfaction of seeing things change drastically now. Mm. Uh, You know, there's always two options at that point. Uh, To me, you know, the first option is, as you rightly said, people say, okay, you know what, I'm done with this place. Let me walk on. Right, let me move on. Let's go somewhere else. Maybe life is better there. Um, so in my particular case, I haven't done a lot of that. Uh, what I've done instead is I've always tried to look for the other opportunities which are available within that particular organization or that department. Hmm. Um, because I would hate to label an organization as toxic. You can never say that an entire company is toxic or you can't say an entire department is toxic. Mm. More often than not, it'll be a very, very small group of people who are indulging in certain behavior that's not really great. Mm. Um, as a professional, you know, you do face these sort of situations and the best way, you know, after you've done everything is to probably look for opportunities around you within the organization itself. So maybe it's another department, maybe it's another role. Maybe it's also about just upskilling yourself in terms of taking on additional responsibilities. Mm. And that takes you away from that situation. Mm. Uh, You know, 
I would love to say that we could fix toxicity in, in the workplace, but you know, it's in my experience, you don't always get that done. Uh, you, you can make, you can make things better. You can definitely negate a lot of this, mm. but can you change people completely and overnight? I don't think that happens or rather if it happens, it takes a lot of time mm. and more often than not, we are not willing to invest that amount of time because at the end, you know, I've seen so many situations where, you know, the leader who's creating the toxic environment is basically found out by his superiors. Mm. Uh, I've seen situations where leaders have been moved to other roles because, you know, it, it became very apparent that they were indulging in this sort of behavior. So, you know, it is an option and it's an, it's an unfortunate uh, option to take. But I do think that, you know, beyond a certain point, if you're compromising on yourself, mm. if you're compromising on your physical or mental well-being, sure. then it's never worth it. Uh, mm. Beyond a certain point, you know, you need to be responsible for yourself. The world is a pretty large place and you can definitely bring your skills and expertise to a team or a department or an organization where you're, where you're definitely kept. And I think that's imperative that each professional takes up that responsibility for themselves. Mm. Yeah. Who who do you need to be? As you talk about all of this, you spoke about FBI as a as a tool. You spoke about um, you know, I'm I'm getting that flavor of who do you need to be within all of this? So who has Kevin been, you know, through this whole journey where you had all kinds of uh, things and you said no I'm not labeling the organization as toxic and um, I have the consciousness to even look at what more and and the, this person is doing this and and maybe a lot of other things so who do you need to be and who does anybody need to be so that you can really be high on energy take charge enjoy working maybe here maybe elsewhere I mean kind of just navigate through it so to me, the way I look at it, the, the path of least resistance as a person is to be yourself. Mm -hmm. um, right? Don't I've never tried to be somebody who I'm not. Uh, so when I say be yourself, so the person that I am, I'm probably a person who is slightly introverted. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not necessarily a person who's the life of the party. Uh, so I don't pretend to be that. Right? Uh, similarly, at the same time. I tend to be a little bit more analytical in my response. I don't necessarily fly off the handle. Mm. Uh, so when people around me are all losing their cool, I'm probably the guy who's calm and who's just like listening, taking in information, uh, processing it, observing people's behavior. Yeah. Uh, I think as a person, uh, regardless of which organization I've worked with, I think every boss has told me you're pretty hard to read as a person. You're very mm -hmm. quiet. Uh, you just get work done somehow, but you don't seem to be talking a lot. I'm like, well, I, I talk pretty fine with people, I think, but you know, I don't need to be the diva on the floor. I don't need to be the guy who's getting all the attention. I'm perfectly happy letting someone else take that attention while I get my work done. Um, I think it's important to be yourself. I mean, the long-winded answer is just to be yourself because that's the, when you are yourself, you are most comfortable with who you are. You're most comfortable with your behavior. You're most comfortable with what's coming at you and your reaction or your response back is also the most natural. Mm. If you be someone else, you're not going to give the right response and you'll be possibly very inconsistent. And inconsistency is an attribute, I think, that really doesn't work. Uh, be, you know, as a manager, as a leader, 
you know, I'm totally fine if I have a boss who's extremely data-driven or who's extremely aggressive, but just be consistent. Don't be <laughs> data-driven, don't be aggressive the next day, don't be best friend tomorrow, and then again, be data-driven and aggressive the next day. It's a little bit hard to put together. Mm. I think as part of leadership qualities, you know, consistency is the key. Uh, because even your subordinates are looking for a consistent approach. They need to know that if I approach Kevin, uh, he's not going to bite my head off mm. because he's never done that in the past. He's not likely going to do it today as well. And I can approach this person. Mm. And if they have a consistent, uh, you know, consistent experience with you, that's where a lot of trust is built because then they say, okay, this person behaves in this way. This is what his expectations. I know what I need to do. I will try and meet them and I will work very hard to try and make it happen. Mm. And, you know, I think if you can do that, I think generally everything else starts falling in place. Mm. Nice. Interesting. So, uh, Kevin, uh, how did you go go about this? Um, or, or did you really consciously go about uh, a journey of maybe self-work or looking at uh, who do I need to become? When you say being yourself, because I know we all have our limiting beliefs about our own selves, which we carrying on from maybe early on and they have a massive impact. Okay. And um, so have you taken a formal path, like a conscious one that I need to do this or you keep doing that periodically? How, how does it work? Uh, a little bit of both. So I think, you know, the first couple of years of my life, uh, the, the, the organization that I worked with, uh, it was a fantastic organization in terms of the leadership. Mm. Uh, and I count myself very, very lucky that I was part of that organization. It wasn't just that you had one or two bright stars. You had some really, really great people to work with mm. and uh, people from different industries. So finding myself was pretty easy early on for me because I saw a lot of different behaviors. And there was some that I resonated with and there was some that I just didn't resonate with at all. Mm. And I think a lot of the, you know, the cabin of today is based on what I've learned and picked up in those early years. Sure. Um, so what happens is once you pick up these behaviors or these mindsets, over time you start implementing and building on that foundation. So let's say if you are as a person, a people person, that's just to use a, just to use a very used term. If you're a people person, you're friendly, you are approachable, uh, you, you love to get out with people, have a good time with them. Uh, you know, you also learn the limits of that if you continue to do that. Because, for example, you can be very, 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 very easily misconstrued as a guy who just doesn't care about work and he just wants to chill out with people, which is not the case. So the more consistently you implement your behaviors and you walk into situations and exhibit those behaviors, you also start finding where are the limits, where you realize that, okay, this is not working anymore. You need to pivot a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I think by it is the first six to eight years of any person's life, you're learning the most in a corporate world um, because your mind is like a sponge. You're just out of college. You you're open to pretty much anything. You if you're ex if you're exposed to good behaviors and the right mindsets, it's probably going to get inculcated very easily. And then as you move on and you start exhibiting the same and you start getting the outcomes you want, mm -hmm. it hardens into your mind. And, and you start saying, yeah, this is it. This works for me. I continue doing it. So for me, it's been a journey of picking up these mindsets early mm. and then implementing it consistently across my entire tenure in organizations. Mm. 
Hmm. And picking them up from the mentors that you had, the the leaders that you worked with. It, it's it's definitely the mentorship and the leadership that has a big play at uh, this particular point because I I remember when I was younger. Uh, at the start of a career, you are so eager to please, right? You are so eager to do well. Yeah. Uh, it's an exciting time for you because you probably are earning money for the first time. You have your own financial independence in a way. Um, and at that time, you know, you really want to know everything that's there in the world. Yeah. Uh, and I was lucky enough to have leaders who definitely, you know, had a bit of a guiding, gave me a guiding light in a way. They they definitely showed me, uh, you know, things that worked. And I also saw things that didn't work for them. And as a person, you know, I really think, and if there, if there are viewers who are uh, younger and, you know, at the start of the career, I really think it's important to have a learning mindset in those early years. Mm. Uh, absorb whatever you can and find what resonates with you. So for me, it was definitely leaders and it was mentors. Uh, that's something that I've taken forward with me as well. So, you know, by I think the, by the time I was in my second or third organization, I made sure that I was part of the mentorship team. I was part of the leadership team any which way. But then I wanted to make sure that I could give people the right messaging, give them the right behaviors at work. And if it resonated with them, great. They could pick it up and they could take it forward into their careers because you know, that's part of being a manager and a leader in an organization. You need to also be able to cultivate and uh, harness the potential of uh, people who are under you and you know make sure that they achieve their successes. Mm. So yeah, I think that's what worked for me in general. Lovely. So what's your, if, if amongst all the things, what's your one, um, you may call it punchline, tagline, mantra, which which is like you don't have to recall it, remember it. It's just there, um, maybe about your own self, maybe about workplaces in general, life in general, which helps you steer through, navigate through life or maybe even the work life, if specifically I need to. Hmm. So one tagline for work life and personal life, is it? Um, well, I think, you know, if, if you come into work and making a difference, I think if I have to make it just one tagline, make mm -hmm. a difference. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's that's the most important thing. If you can, at least for me, uh, because, yeah. and I got this tagline very early on in my career because I'd won an award, if I remember. Mm -hmm. And somewhere it was, it, the, the trophy was there and somewhere there it was written, uh, leave your footsteps behind. I think it, it was a tiger award or something of that sort. And uh, they had a pause of a tiger and all. They're very cute. Uh, but then, yeah, it just said, leave your footsteps behind. And that resonated a bit with me. And I'm like, yeah, okay, makes sense. So you make a difference over here. And people know the work that you've done. And, uh, you know, every day if you come into office, uh, you make a difference to the people that you work with. You make a difference towards your strategic objectives and goals. And uh, you make a difference in every interaction if possible. Uh, you know, Part of the reason why I thought, you know, appearing on the podcast is a good idea because, uh, you know, maybe there's a bigger outreach of people who may you know, pick up something from my career so far. And uh, if, if if there is, then wonderful. Why not? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think making a difference is the most important thing. I think it works in their personal life as well. Yes. Um, because every one of us have roles. We have multiple caps. Someone's a mom, someone's a dad, someone's a caretaker, somebody's, you know, a father, a mother, be the case. 
And, you know, if you can make a difference to your personal life as well, it puts you in that happy place. And I think that always translates. You know, I always, always believe that a happy home and a happy workplace is ideal. You really want to get there. Uh, sometimes one or the other doesn't fire too well, but, you know, keep aspiring to make it better and make that difference. Wow. Lovely. Love that. So, um I'm quickly, there's so many nuggets uh, that I got from you and I'm just going to quickly go through them. If I miss out on anything, which, you know, you pointed out and maybe I missed uh, noting it down, do point out, do let me know. Uh, so I think uh, you started by talking about um, not listening as one of the big misses when it comes to conflicts or relationships anywhere, but we since we're talking workplace scenarios, so uh, that's where, and you said, let people speak because I think one of the core needs is we all want to be seen and heard. So yeah. hear people out, let them went out. And that pretty much does it all. Yeah. Um, you, you spoke largely about preparation. I think in a lot of, uh, you know, different points, you spoke about how important it is to be prepared, whether it's a, um, you know, a team meeting or it's a one-on-one -on -one with your boss, or even if it's a conversation in the context of a conflict, be prepared yeah. with stuff, right? Yeah. And keep your emotions aside. So yeah. I think that's that's a very important one. I see so many people getting so emotional about it, um, anything which is happening at the workplace. And I think it's a very, very important one. And uh, yes, missing out on that bigger, larger purpose and just getting caught up in the trivia. I think when you say that, um, always connect to that larger purpose. And when you're talking to your manager also, that if you're coming from there, then it's easier to connect. So I think that that's a very, very powerful one. Um, you know, when you said, Kevin, that um, uh, what's the value that you are creating? Organization pays you for the value that you're creating. And I can't tell you the number of leaders who say, I'm not valued by the organization. I'm not acknowledged by my leadership, by my boss. And that's one of the big pain points. And in the masterclass, I think, we do a poll as to how many of you feel not acknowledged. I can't tell you a vast majority, almost 80, 90% of the people say, yes, I'm not acknowledged. And therefore I feel like poor me. Yeah. And I, th I think this is bang on that. Can we take charge? You know, I mean, organization has no personal connection with me. It's not in the business to employ Asta uh, there. But if I can come and take charge and create value and look at, creating excellence there, then, you know, it's about that. So I think everywhere, one thing that I saw, there was a pattern in what you were talking and that was around what can you bring to the table, which is also your tagline, punchline or your mantra, which is making a difference. What can I bring to the table and what value can I create? And I think that's the essence of what you said. Um, having discussions, sharing the idea. You, you spoke about... Uh, having this clear distinction between uh you know one scenario where i'm i'm sharing something not accepted that's okay i can explain my perspective not accepted okay but then do not take it personally it's okay at some point i need to be able to let it go so yeah. that's another one um also i loved what you said about the whole toxicity such a loosely used term these days toxic environment toxic boss and then you said it's a perspective and thank you so much for FBI. All those of you who are listening, I think what Kevin spoke about feelings, behavior and impact and how you bring that in 
cannot miss any one of these, either of these, all three need to be there. This is how I'm feeling. Um, this is how it has impacted. So sorry, the, this is how I feel. Uh, this was the behavior. And then this is the impact that uh, I'm going through. The clarity that I have as I talk about it and then communicating it to the other person, I think very powerful. And a lot of times we keep everything to ourselves. There's so much of fear and insecurity there. No, 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 yeah. let me not speak. So I'm sulking also being a victim and I'm not speaking up also. And that just piles up, yeah. keeps piling up. So if, that's- If I could just comment over that, I think yes, you know, yes. when, when we don't do this, this sort of makes you very passive aggressive at work. When mm. you don't talk about your feelings a little bit more. Yeah. Because, you know, we walk a very thin line in corporate because, you know, some most, if you look at it very closely, you have to be very careful about your feelings. You can't really explode your emotions on somebody. Yeah. But at the same time, as a human, you have to be able to express yourself with decorum, with in a right, in a professional way. Uh, but you have to bring in your feeling into the equation, especially when you're into a conflict, because if you're all giving feedback, FBI works great for a feedback situation as well. So, you know, you have to bring that element into it. And, uh, you know, it's important to do so because if you don't, as you rightly said, you start keeping these things inside and you start bottling it up and then it start going to, it's going to start coming out in a very passive aggressive way, sure. which is the worst problem. Yeah. Because then you're not only the guy who doesn't come up with ideas, you're probably the guy who doesn't let others do them. Because mm -hmm. you're now becoming passive aggressive. You're not, you know, not really sharing. You're probably becoming a little sarky. You're sending off those weird emails. Yeah. Uh, and then you come across as a difficult person and that just makes your situation worse. Uh, it doesn't make you in any way more popular. And, uh, you know, it's important to have these very candid and open discussions because if you don't, then you're, you're just putting yourself or you're setting yourself up for a failure down the road. And mm -hmm. I've seen it happen too often in life that, you know, people uh, who are probably a little bit hesitant to bring out their emotions or they feel, there's no point in bringing it up. It's already done. I don't care. Those people are the first to lose out. They're mm -hmm. the first to lose out on the bonuses. They're the first to lose out on the promotions. They're the first to lose out on great projects. And eventually they come to a point where they have just become totally disillusioned with the organization and they say, okay, I need to leave. And of course, everyone looks for that 30% increase in their hike and the market in India at least is pretty good at the moment. You get that very easily, you move on. Uh, but you haven't learned anything from your organization and probably have taken a lot more emotional baggage into your next organization oh. and you're going to start working off that, which is more unhealthy. So, you know, I, I really do believe that it's a very important, especially since everybody that you deal with is a person at the end, regardless yeah. if they're a boss or a superior, a peer or a subordinate. Yeah. It's all people. So the better you get uh, at handling or working with people, the more successful you will become. Hmm. Since you've brought this up, Kevin, so where, what would you say, where do people start? People are... People are not good at labeling their feelings. They don't even know I'm feeling good. I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling angry. That's the, the three, four words in the vocabulary. That's it. Uh, to be able to go and express, oh no, no way. Where where can somebody start to build up the muscle so that they can do it consistently? So if you're a person who, who's, I, I hate to use the word introverted because that's not the right thing here. Mm -hmm. But if you're a person who's probably a little shy or you hold back your emotions. I think the first thing you need to do is be able to at least speak to your friend at work. Mm. And 
you know, at minimum, uh, because at least if you have a friend at work, uh, a person who you can just bounce this emotion off saying that, you know what, this meeting didn't go well. Uh, I, I guess I missed out on that thing, but the boss or somebody else just humiliated me in front of the entire group and I didn't like it, hmm. you know. If the friend that you're speaking to has, you know, is actually a friend, he will, he or she will be able to give you, firstly, a sounding board. It'll also bring a lot more courage for you to speak up about your feelings. Sure. I think it's one small step, uh, you know. But I, I do believe that you need to have that friend at work, and you need to have that confidant who you can speak with. Mm. Also, when you do so, you get another perspective mm. because it's quite possible that you have misunderstood the entire situation because of the negativity that you carry. Uh, because if you have taken it to heart that, okay, my peer is out to get me and he's competitive and he just one-ups me every single time, yep. uh, you know, you go into your meetings, you go into your discussions with that mindset, you it, and it will happen, it just reinforces it again. And then you come away feeling worse. But from the other person, if you start sounding it off to at least a friend at work, you might he might very, he or she might very well say that, you know what, you should have just brought up that point already. It was your mm -hmm. presentation. It was a very obvious point. Why didn't you bring it? Maybe your preparation wasn't that great. You could have prepared a little bit better. Yeah. Or you could have done a little bit better research. Uh, you know, And that's another perspective to get. And it's a pretty uh, low impact discussion because you're not running the risk of causing hurt feelings anywhere. Yeah. But you get those little nuggets from people who work with you. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the first step. I, I really do think that, you know, as a as a human being we are very very collaborative in nature and people are there to help you mm. i've very rarely seen people who just walk away from helping somebody mm. they want to help they help in different levels at different capacities but you know people generally want to help you a little bit at least so yeah i would start with that make sure that you don't you know take all the burden on your head carry it around like a heavy stone all day it's just not helpful it's just going to ruin you physically and emotionally Mm. So, so friend at work is a good place to start yeah but make sure you choose the friend wisely yeah. not somebody who's like oh yeah i understand how bad how mean who's like yeah. just so who can actually be very transparent and be willing to give you like the an honest feedback you know so and, and you can also ask for feedback i mean if you feel yeah. that you're getting if you're not getting uh, the result that you want there's nothing yeah. wrong with asking for feedback yeah absolutely and, there's always the third option, which is make friends with your antagonizer, right? The person who antagonizes you the most, uh, why not just make friends with him? Yeah. I recall situations in my life where, you know, I've, I'm fairly competitive as a person and, you know, I always try to do very well or it is better than most. Yeah. But you do come across at one or two individuals who really raise the bar and you realize mm -hmm. that, okay, you know what, this guy does things better than me, faster than me, with better quality than me. I can take two or three options. I can, first of all, resent that person mm. and do everything I can to pull him down. Mm -hmm. uh, or I could just say, yeah, you know what? This place doesn't work for me. I'm just going to run away. I'm going to go to another department. I leave the organization. Or the third option is make friends and say that, you know what? You are at a higher level. I am not there, but I would love to get to your level. And observe, learn see what you can do, make changes in your own behavior, see whether differences in the quality of work, try and understand how the person gets speed. Mm. You know, that's always a third option. And this is rooted in our human psychology. This is not something that works in corporate. I mean, we as humans can either, you know, fight or flight, if you remember. 
So it's you either want to fight with the person or you have to run away from the person. And the third option I think that works is make friends. So, mm-hmm. you know, try and work with that person. Maybe you learn something. And uh, quite often I have seen that people who have very good skills also automatically are quite okay to mentor people. They are not necessarily, you know, trying to be that one-man army. Because as we talked about earlier, in an organization these days, there's no one-man army concept anymore. Absolutely. You need to work with people. You have to have that connect with your peers. You have to be able to collaborate. And the people who are successful these days is the person who collaborates best, who networks the best. Yeah. And the higher up you go in the organization, it matters more. At an early stage, let's say when I was taking calls, I didn't need to talk to anybody. I could very well just come to my seat, put on my headset, take my 50 calls, go home. And that was it. And I get paid for it. Today, I think I spend more than half of my time in collaborating and networking with my peers and with my with people who are maybe a level above me. Because that's where the strategic ideas are coming from. That's where you want to understand the pulse of the organization. That's where you want to know what are the opportunities. That's where you really want to know how do you, uh, you know, further your career. And that's an important part of, you know, making yourself successful in an organization. Wow. Love that. What that brings to my mind is who you are being, Kevin. And, and no wonder then what you have as a result of who you are being, they're absolutely in sync. So, um what an amazing perspective. I can resent that person or I can just make friends with him. And and then what you do, you network, you go meet people. Whereas for all those of us who kind of sit and be in our shell and think, no, 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 he's this, he's that, he's not favoring me, he's biased. And it's not these people out there. It's it's you who need to kind of look at who you are being. And then as a result, how is it impacting you? So um, I think this is so powerful. Love that, love that. Yeah, so I think uh, what what um, Kevin just mentioned, I would just want to want all of you to take this on and uh, reflect on this. I think this is very, very powerful, where you also spoke about being yourself. How comfortable am I being myself and being consistent in who I am and being very, very conscious of who I am being? Am I being that victim? And pointing fingers at everybody and uh, finding, um, you know, what's missing everywhere in every situation versus I'm looking at what you said, make a difference. How can I make a difference? How can I create a value? I think to my mind, this is what I am taking away from whatever you shared, uh, Kevin. This is like the big one for me and uh, absolutely brilliant. Not because it's like, wow, what a speech, but because I think this is what you've lived and what you spoke about. And this is where I see a lot of us struggle. I mean, I've struggled with that for the longest time, you know, where being myself was a big deal for me. So I think being yourself and then making a difference. Lovely. Superb. Great. Um, Any last words that you want to share, Kevin, with respect to workplace relations, leadership journey, the corporate journey, anything that comes to your mind? Well, you know, I think uh, if I could just summarize my perspective, uh, yes. you know, uh, the way I look at it, I look at it in a very simple way. Uh, yes. You spend eight hours of your life at minimum these days, mm. the, the maximum, at minimum at work. Uh, you know, everyone at work is a person. Everyone has their own personalities. They have their own dynamics. And uh, you are always in charge of your career. Uh, there's no one else who's going to take care of it other than yourself. Uh, and once you accept that, 
it's it's the right way to go forward. And you know, I also really do believe that you need to live in the moment. Uh, you know, make sure that you bring your best self to work every day. Uh, you know, be it remote working, be it actually in office. Uh, make sure that you uh, you know make the day count in a way. And uh, if you do that consistently enough, the results come. Uh, you know, I I have seen so many people, some of my peers who are successful in different organizations, different roles, be it technical, be it functional, be it uh, whatever you, you call it. But the behaviors that make them successful are pretty common. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter about the job that they do, whether they are in manufacturing or IT or in textiles or anything of that sort. Sure. It's, it's just about the right behaviors that you bring, be do it consistently, and I think the results follow. Mm. And if and when you see that you're not getting what you need, uh, you know, stay true to yourself and uh, make those small two millimeter shifts in personality and perspective and you will be successful. Wow. Lovely. Thank you so much for that, Kevin. And sure. uh, I love the ease and the consistency with which you just pass on the most effective and the most uh, profound messages out there. Uh, you know, the, the whole being of yours is just so amazing, so powerful. So thank I'm you so Zen much. Mode, Zen Modi, <laughs> you said it. <laughs> Absolutely. So thank you so much. This was really meaningful. This was very profound, real talk. And uh, I'm sure, um, you know, I, I, I got a lot for myself, my little two, three highlights, which I definitely got from you. Thank you for that. And I'm sure all those people who are going to be watching this and listening to the podcast, will uh, definitely have their stuff, which they'll be really able to relate with. They will have their actionable points. So uh, yeah, loved it. Thank you so much. And thank you so much too. Um, I mean, it was a pleasure. It was absolutely a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much. And, and um, I would request all of you, those of you who watch this, who listen to this, if there's anything that comes to your mind, uh, there's further a follow-up question that you have, please put it down below in the comments. And, uh, you know, Kevin, would you be okay if we can bring those questions to you and you may want to answer or something like that? Sure. Yeah. And also, yeah. Oh, lovely. And we are also going to tag Kevin. So, you know, you can follow him on LinkedIn and um, yeah, connect with him if you want. So that's about it. Thank you so much for being here, Kevin, and thank you for your time. Thank you. Lovely. Thank you for watching this week's episode of Astha Unplugged series on hashtag Happy Me Podcast. Now, if at any point you resonated and you could sense this possibility for you to express your higher potential and you're absolutely committed that I no longer want to be stuck in my limiting beliefs, the thoughts, the limiting feelings, emotions, and then the behaviors and all of that that holds me back from creating what I desire, then reach out to us. All you need to do is type in the word thrive. On LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram, whatever works for you, the word is thrive, and we will reach out to you, we will connect with you, and let's together explore how you can move beyond all these barriers and create, turn into the possibility that you are, the beautiful person that you are, but somewhere that's hidden, you're holding it back, right? This is your opportunity. The word is thrive, either LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. I look forward to connecting. Thank you.